0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'd love to begin just by praying. Father, thank you so much for this family here. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your commission that it brings purpose to our lives and meaning. Thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, would you uh, enable me to speak only your words? In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, it is great to be here. Um, Those who don't know me, my name's Dave. I was the curate here seven years ago, and um, it's really amazing being back. It's a real privilege to be here, and thank you for having me. And I imagine it's a bit like the disciples in the reading we've just had, where Jesus calls them back to Galilee, the place where um, Peter, James... Andrew, were all called for the first time, the place where where Jesus came alongside them and said, come, follow me, put down your nets and follow me. He did that in Galilee. And right at the end of the passage, his final words to the disciples, he sends them back to the beginning. He sends them back to Galilee. And there he gives them this great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And he does it back in Galilee. And sometimes it's good to go back to remember where we've come from, to remember the faithfulness of God, to remember the journey he's taken us on. And being back here, I imagine for the disciples, they're back in Galilee on the, on the mountain. Jesus kind of uses mountains as a kind of induction for people. Big things happen on mountains in Scripture. And he gets them up the mountain, and they're probably just there, a bit spun out, thinking, oh my God, gosh, this, I remember when this happened and that happened, and I remember when I took my first... BCP service or, or when I did sung Evensong and had to sing the Lord's Prayer on one note for a very long time or whatever it might be. And it's all coming back and I'm quite spun out but it's great to be here. But I imagine he did that with the disciples and final words are really important. Oscar Wilde um, reportedly said either the wallpaper goes or I do as his final words. My wife was going on a conference last week and her final words were, um, Dave, whatever you do, don't forget. And I honestly can't remember what she said after that. It was about six in the morning. But I know final words are important. I've been told they are. They definitely are. And so Jesus gives his final words of instruction, go and make disciples of all nations. And I just want to concentrate on two very simple things, which is the word go and the words make disciples. That's all I'm going to look at this morning the word go and the word make disciples. And I'm going to start with make disciples. It kind of makes more sense that way around. Whatever happens in your lifetime, you will make a disciple. Whatever happens, you will make disciples. We are making disciples all the time. I moved to an area in Norwich um, where uh, everybody seems to have a dog. And so it only took me about six months before I had a dog. Um, I now have a dog. It was a spontaneous dog purchase. But everybody seemed to have a dog, so I got a dog. We're always making disciples. We're always following one another. We disciple each other in all sorts of ways, whether it's eco-discipling, whether it's financial discipling. If you change your front door, you might find your neighbors start to change their front doors. So we're always making disciples. The question is: what kind of disciple are we making? what kind of disciple are we making? Mark Deva says in his book on disciple making, to be human is to be a disciple. God didn't present Adam and Eve with a choice in the beginning of Genesis. He didn't present them with a choice between discipleship and independence, but between following him or listening to Satan. So we are disciples. The only question is, of whom? Who are we following? And in what way are we making an impact in the world? And so, if it makes a difference as to what we do, then it makes it, it's important for us to focus on our godly character, on the growth of ourselves if we're to make disciples. Because the way that we are is the way we're going to encourage and train and release others. I'm up in Norwich, and we, have, um, we went up there seven years ago to plant a church. We were given one year um, of funding. Um, if it was to go badly, then I don't know. I'd maybe be back down here begging or asking <laughs> to be taken on somewhere. But we went up to Norwich to a church that was failing. And we went up there, and we um, had one year uh, to work in a team to get this uh, church kind of to, to kick-start it. And we had this dream, this audacious, ridiculous dream at the time, that we couldn't tell anyone that we wanted to not plant one church, we wanted to plant 10 churches in 10 years. That was our dream, but we didn't dare say anything because if you haven't even planted one, why would you try and plant 10? But I can honestly say, seven years on, we now have planted eight churches. Um, around the city, and it's incredible to see the work that God's doing in making disciples through through just growing new faith communities around the city. And two weeks ago, Anna and I um, planted the ninth church, which is a connection of a network of house churches called the Garden Church. Um, it's a network of house churches for the rural communities in Norfolk as well. So it's prolific, and now the diocese has asked us to plant ten more churches in five years. And so we've created this training hub for making disciples, for planting churches. And so we take the the Great Commission very seriously, and we're having a lot of fun. As we make disciples, we grow in our own discipleship. We understand more about what it means to be like Jesus, to go and to grow at the same time. But 1 Peter 2 is a passage that I always say to our team It says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world. We get to join Him with God. And then He says this for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self control, and to self control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we want to not be, as a double negative, ineffective or unproductive, if we want to bear fruit, then we, we will if we grow in godly character. As so I say to our, our interns and our team members, I want you to spend an hour a day praying, getting to know the God of this book, loving the Lord Jesus, growing in prayer, growing in love, growing in patience, growing in perseverance, growing in all the Christ-like characters, because when you come into contact with another person, that will rub off, and the disciple you make will reflect the person that you are becoming and you are. We're like sparklers. When we, we come into church, Jesus says in Galilee, come, follow me. And he lights us up. And then we make connection with others, and they start to light up as well. But we have to ask ourselves, as we come back to Galilee, what, what fires are we starting? Are they Christ-like fires? Are, are we drenched in godly character? And that is a lifelong pursuit. I have this um, special mug. I love a special mug. This is a commemorative mug. This is my Diamond Jubilee mug, 2012. I like to keep it in the box to keep it safe, but it often spends time on my mantelpiece. And I love this mug, but this mug is one of the saddest mugs in the world, because this mug will never know what it feels like to fulfill its designated purpose as a mug. It's never going to be wrapped around with two hands full of warm tea and poured out for the benefit of another person. This mug is going to sit on my dresser. I don't fill it with anything. It's too precious. It's too perfect. It's too beautiful. I don't fill it with tea. And the dangerous thing is, if this mug was alive, it might make another disciple. And what would that disciple look like? Another commemorative mug. My house could be full of commemorative mugs, but no one would be drinking tea. And my fear sometimes, with the utmost love in the Church of England, is the churches we're planting into that have died are commemorative mugs, and they are beautiful. But the commission to go, to go on the adventure, to be agile, to be missional, was forgotten in the pursuit of retaining its commemorative beauty. And so my challenge would be to be drenched in Scripture and to read the character that we're trying to disciple people in and be discipled in ourselves. And godly character is going to cause us to step out of the boat, It's going to cause us to go to the other side. Hebrews 13, 13 says, Let us then go to him, Jesus, outside the camp, outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. I don't wake up most days thinking, Lord, I want to go outside the camp to bear the disgrace you bore. But he calls us to go outside the camp to bear the disgrace he bore. There's an amazing passage in 1 Samuel 14. I absolutely love it. It's my favorite passage. I had to really try hard to not preach on that today. Um, but it's the story of Jonathan and Saul. And Saul is the king. He's the first king of Israel. And he's surrounded by all of this Philistine army who are about to destroy the, the first king of Israel and his, and his little army of 600 who have no weapons. And Jonathan, his son, who gets no... You just don't even, he doesn't even feature. He doesn't even tell Saul. He just says to his armor-bearer, just the two of them, he just says, let's go to the other side. Let's go over to the Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will deliver them into our, into our hand. We, let's just go and see what God does if we go over to the enemy. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few, he says. It's like he's got it on his T-shirt. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. But let's just go over to the other side. And the armor bearer says, I'm with you, heart and soul. We need people who say, I'm with you, heart and soul, and people who are bonkers enough to say, let's go over to the other side. Perhaps the Lord will show his hand. Perhaps outside of our rational understanding, our safety zone, our logic, God will break through and do something extraordinary. And I've seen that so many times. And I still don't learn it because I'm human. But God is gracious. So he calls us to make disciples. You will make a disciple. The question is, what kind of disciple are you making? How are you in the gym today? How are you becoming more agile missionally? So you can go out and others can go, I'm with you heart and soul. Let's go over to the other side. Let's give it a go. Let's see what happens. Cast your nets on the other side. Okay, so he says, make disciples. But he also says, go. Now, I am... I did a, a parents' race. My kids, it, when they get bigger, the races get more serious, I find. I don't know. There's more at stake somehow because children notice if you're losing. And um, so I did my, my son's sports day, and they had a parents' race. And it was a new head teacher, and the new head teacher's a bit more competitive. So he had this kind of 100 meter sprint um, that we could all take part in. So I, so I did. But within the first round, I pulled a hamstring because something happened when they said go. I was like, go, this is it. Absolutely no warm-up, no training, no preparation. Just I do long-distance running, but not short-distance running, as I discovered. And I pulled a hamstring, and I, I couldn't run for about six weeks after that. But something happens when someone says, go, stress, it's all on you, it's on your shoulders. Go, I, I must go, I must do something, I must look busy, I must achieve something, I must be productive. And I want to encourage us to think about this passage that actually the phrase we're told to do is to therefore go. It says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And that therefore is like a, like a beef oxo cube, which has the whole flavor of an entire cow in one square. The therefore has the whole flavor of the entire gospel in one word. Because Jesus has come. He's miraculously been born. He's healed the sick. He's raised the dead. He's touched lepers. He's gone all around the place doing incredible things. He's died. He's risen. And then he says, therefore, go. If I say to my daughter, as I did yesterday, go and get some milk from the shop. She can now go and get milk from the shop. She's just about old enough. It's different if I say, I've been given authority over the entire street, this entire city, this entire shop, all the surrounding roads, I have authority over, and I have a limitless supply of cash, so go to the local Tesco's and bring me back some milk. Also, I'll be with you as you do it, but you might not see me. And it would kind of creep her out because she knows it's not true. I don't own all of Norwich. But Jesus says that in the passage He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, and I will be with you. And so the therefore makes a big difference. We go not in our own strength, but we go in his. It says his divine power has given us everything we need in 2 Peter 1 for a godly life. Everything we need to participate in the divine nature. We get to join in with him. I, there's a guy I, we baptized last Sunday who is called Jason. And he uh, was ex-gang uh, member, ex-addict, um, married to a, uh, well, not married to, but his partner, is a, is a practicing witch. Um, also, you name it, he's, he's got it. Um, <laughs> the whole shebang in his uh, 50s. And he works in the print shop where we print our flyers. And we went, into over the last two, three, four, five years, we've gone into that print shop, collecting flyers for Alpha, collecting flyers for whatever it is we're doing. And one day, and bit by bit, we've just spoken to Jason. We've not thought of it as going. We've just gone. And some things happen, but one day Jason just invited himself to Alpha. He printed the flyers, and he brought himself along with them. That, oh, I'll come to this. I've been reading about 500 of them. And then two years later, he did half a course. And then he said, I just want to chat to you as an individual because I've got too much stuff to share. It's, I've got a, it's, it's an 18 and this is a PG. And we, we've met on and off. Uh, we met on Thursday evenings. We just read the Bible together. And he just shared his life story. And then... Suddenly, he just said, I want all in. I want, I want all in. I want a totally changed life. I want to begin again. And so we, we baptized him last Sunday. Now, we went, but it was by accident. Stuff rubbed off. God just sent us to go to him. God, it, it, God had authority over that print shop, authority over the street, authority over his life, and was working something out. We, by the grace of God, got to play and participate in that. So we go with our antennae up to look to see what God is doing, where he's doing it, and how we can join in. And it is the most extraordinary adventure, and it's where the gospel comes to life and where our faith makes so much sense. And in Luke 10 and Mark 6, we get this picture of how the disciples went. And I love it. He says, Take no bread, no bag, no money, no shoes, no staff. Like, oh, thanks, Jesus. That will make it easier. Take nothing for the journey. I only know two people who can leave the house like that children? My son does. Where are your shoes? Oh, uh did I, did I would i need them well we're only going to school or <laughs> they just get in the car dad where are we going oh don't worry i'll just take you there do i need anything no it's okay i've got money i've got your coat i've got your shoes got your food got everything and kings kings can leave the house like that royalty if prince harry was to walk along this street and say sorry I don't have any shoes and could I have a cup of tea everyone would say absolutely and do you need somewhere to stay as well and so it says in scripture that the father has loved us so much that we are called children of God we are sons and daughters of the king but as we go out we go into his land ultimately the crown owns everything God owns everything it's his domain and his kingdom We're called to just bring a touch of heaven to earth. And so we go as kings, we go as sons and daughters of kings, not with a spirit of fear, but with a spirit we'd received brought about by the adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father, we read in Romans. But there was another category of people who didn't have a staff or shoes or bag or money. That was the people entering the temple for worship. A person should not enter the temple mount with his staff or sandal or wallet or with the dust upon his feet. And we go on our knees as well. We go and worship. It's all worship. So I want to encourage you. Practice. Enjoy going. You will make disciples. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. But we have to go. And we have to grow. In ourselves, Let's pray. Father, thank you for the challenge to make disciples. Thank you for the adventure to see your kingdom expand on this earth, to see communities transformed, people um, ignited by your love and your fire. We pray for this family here. or that you would give joy in pursuing you each day, your daily bread and vision to reach out to those who as yet have no idea that they are loved and known by you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.